Welcome to Chasing the Dragon Summoning number 19. We're here with co-designers and brothers Anders and Ulla Tierland. And they've designed the board game uh, The Battle at Campbell's Cascade. So you don't have to shout. I put the microphone pretty close to your face. <laughs> so it's really shouting. He's excited. Exactly. <laughs> well, how could you not be? So we would like to, in this, in this summoning, to just kind of go into this game, focus on this game, but also maybe talk about inspirations that you've had, and especially as designers. So could you just introduce briefly the, the game and the mechanics and what the game is about? Well, the game is, is uh, I mean, if you have tried the uh, 80s and 90s computer genre called uh, Shoot 'em Up, where you have a small spaceship, you have a scrolling background, and you shoot enemies, you get power-ups, and in the end you meet a boss. That's basically what the game is about. You have a scrolling background, and everyone plays on the same board, and at the end you will meet a boss. Yeah, so it's a <coughs> board game adaptation of a video game genre. And you, you, you play as a spaceship and a pilot in the spaceship? Yeah. You play as a pilot in a spaceship. You play as a pilot <laughs> in a spaceship. And you try to shoot as many enemies <coughs> as possible so that you can gain a little bit of money so you can buy new upgrades and with that be more powerful and gain more points than the other players. Yeah. And it usually happens by killing the boss. <laughs> And there's also there's a long uh, thematic explanation of why you're all there and stuff, but let's not do that now. <laughs> well, since the game was based, I'm assuming, on maybe your love of classic like shmups in general, what were some of the ones that were really kind of influential on in, in the actual design-making process? One in particular. Yeah, one in particular. It's called Tyrion. Like our last name. <laughs> yeah, almost the same, yeah. And uh, it's... Uh, I don't know if it's ever been on anything else than the the PC. I don't know either. It's it's, it's on the iPhone now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean it's not that old. I think it's from the the 90s, yeah. the late 90s almost. Yeah, and maybe. it's yeah. like a classic shoot 'em up. Nothing yeah. fancy. It's just it's just good and I think we use the music almost all the time when we designed. We just yeah. put it on repeat, <laughs> the soundtrack. We found it online and Actually, yeah. a, another brother of ours is actually doing his programming his own shmup right now, and is sort of nice. doing Tyrion all over again with the music, and he uses the same, nice. <laughs> all the same stuff. Yeah. So there's there's been a trend lately in board games is converting old retro computer games, and into board games. There's like Boss Monster, which is a card game. There's uh, XCOM, based off the old computer game. Arcadia Quest. Yeah. Um, so, why convert video games to a board game, and what's the difference between the two? How, do, how does it change the game? Well, I think that the reason we wanted to do it was that we are four brothers. It's just the two of us that do design, but the other two are like part of it with playtesting and ideas and things like that. And back in 2010, Christmas 2010, I had an idea that I wanted to do a side-scroller and actually do a scroller. Like most of the other side-scrollers are just one card per item that you meet. Yeah. You're, you're not moving around on the board. And he wanted to do a top-down scroller, so we started to talk about it. And in the end, that became the first idea for the Battle at Campbell's Cascade. And I think that what we wanted to do that we felt that no one else had done was actually scrolling, being part of the board, not... Um, 
uh, not making that into uh, what do you call it something less well into something abstract where you just have one card per room or something like that where you're actually interacting with the board yeah we wanted the the real scrolling thing if we could manage to to get it and that turned out to be tricky one Mm. yeah and and i think that the the biggest difference when it comes to (coughs) computers uh, um, and board games are the fact that you have a computer that do a lot of calculations and move things around and that's not possible in the board games because it's going to get way too fiddly and take too much time so we had to invent mechanics to get the feel of the of the idea of the genre rather than mimicking it yeah a lot like miniature war games perhaps some of them are really weighed down by rules rules for all of the anything that's possible that they can imagine and so there's 100 pages of rules and so you wanted to avoid that yeah yeah yeah, yeah absolutely it's um I mean, it's, uh, the, the computer has a huge rule set and can keep track of everything, every object. So in shmups, you will always see like 1,000 small shots on the screen moving somewhere. Uh, and you can't have that in a board game. So you have to come up with something else to, to mimic that, uh, that situation. But we were struggling a lot of hours to try to get the same feel, uh, the same stressful feel without the, all the shots. And of course also the, the game will not be uh, based on dexterity as much <coughs> as no, not shoot them no up. No reflexes. It, no, <laughs> it's, no re- it's, it's, it's more s- strategic. So it's inspired by the genre, but it's still something, something other than the computer genre. Otherwise you just play the computer game instead. Yeah, there should actually be like a warning label on the, on the box <laughs> saying this is not a shoot em up game, duh. <laughs> it's not based on reflexes because in hindsight we've seen lots of comments about that I don't get the same feel duh <laughs> <laughs> well I have to say I really appreciate that because I'm horrible at any of those old computer games <laughs> I'm much better at the board game <laughs> versions uh, and I completely forgot, forgot about the idea of reflexes I haven't played a shmup in quite some time can I stop you? I have no idea what a shmup means shoot em up ah, and shoot em up shoot em up <laughs> shoot em up okay yeah, thank you, you I haven't played a shoot 'em up in quite a, a couple of years now, and I completely forgot that. Yeah, reflexes do play an intricate role in that how they actually play. It's probably the, maybe the, some of the main focus of it. Can you react in time to avoid these bullets and try to get yourself through this little bullet hell thing? Mm-hmm. But I completely forgot about that when I played Kemble's, and it still uh, feels very thematic, regardless of the fact that there's no like reflexes involved. Uh, and one other thing that's really present in the computer genre is uh, to remember. <coughs> you have to play it and remember the. W- in what way the enemies move and things like patterns. that. Yeah, the patterns. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll never succeed, and that, of course, is not part of. Yeah, we, uh, we, well, we sort we sort of recreated with a with a single player scenario. Yeah, yeah. Then you play them more over and over. Level. Yeah. Uh, what were some of the challenges? What were some of the other challenges you came across when trying to uh, adapt the design? Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. A lot of uh, well, <coughs> well, we can start with the fact that, the uh, like we said before, with the computer, you have to dumb things down but still do it interesting and one of the things that we did early on there was an, an early version where you we wanted to do as it was on, uh, uh, in the computer genre that everyone plays on their same level mm-hmm. so you didn't interact the way you interacted with each other was that each row of it wasn't cards then it was big tokens each row of tokens you could place on other players so you could 
fuck their levels up. Yeah. Uh, and I said fuck. It's fine. We say fuck all the time. <laughs> and we're, and we're far from Dice Tower. <laughs> 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 and, or maybe place it on yourself, and it, it becomes better. And we we game tested that, play tested it a lot, and uh, thought it was a good game. And that's the first version that we showed in, in Essen, uh, the big game fair, and a few. Um, it was almost published. Yeah, no. <laughs> a few of the bigger publishers were interested, but in the end, everyone said the same thing. Okay, we need more interaction. Yeah. And I think that that was one of the biggest challenges, trying to, like, okay, it is a genre that exists, but we need to do something else. Mm -hmm. So what can we do instead? Because that one was a lot closer to how the computer games work. Uh, and then we put everyone in the same board and you have these cards <laughs> instead so you randomize the level. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I would say we've, we've been fighting a lot with uh, sticking to the genre as close as possible and making a good game. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we said that if we can't be close enough, we won't do it at all. Uh, then it's not, it's not a <laughs> shmup at all. And then it's going to be a completely another game. But I mean, we, we wanted it to be PvP. But I don't know if you've ever seen a shoot 'em up game that's PvP in that way. Because like you, you, you sort of, you, you I can think of like one, but it's not that not that good anyways. Yeah. And the thing is that we stumbled upon the, the 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 issue straight away that if I shoot something and that turns into a coin, someone else can just take the coin, or mm -hmm. should it be tagged with your name or something? It's like that just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So you should either have a, like a co-op or a single player. But we wanted a PvP, so we had to. Make yeah, it was quite a few challenges with just, first of all, making a computer game into a board game and then adding parts that was never part of the computer game, like mm -hmm. everyone plays against each other on the same board. Yeah. I mean, so, so that was challenges as well. Yeah. But I think that one of the bigger ones was the, the bullet health. I mean, all the bullets that usually come towards you in these kind of games. Uh, so <coughs> that was a big one. Yeah, and we had a lot of different discussions about this: how yeah. to do it and not to do it. There's and a yeah. lot of versions. Of yeah, <laughs> of how to solve that. Yeah, we actually tried with bullets also very briefly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that didn't work. Uh, <laughs> like bu like bullet tokens or something. Yeah, or yeah, okay. yeah. But I mean, it takes too much time. Uh, yeah. It's hard to keep count on what's going exactly. where and why. So, so we just ended up, uh, up with making that into something abstract called threat, where you yeah. have a, a counter. So you, you, you see how many enemies are targeting you. So then you have a counter that says, okay, I have so many shots coming my way. Mm -hmm. And the next turn, I will try to avoid them by flying around. And if I have any shots left, they're going to hit me. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and we think that worked out pretty well because that, that mechanic also gave us um, the possibility to uh, a word we really like in in Swedish called uh, uh, Schadenfreude. Schadenfreude. <laughs> I think uh, that's German. Yeah. yeah. German. <laughs> What's the Swedish word? Skadeglädje. Uh, <laughs> Skadeglädje. Yeah. Gloating. Yeah, but I yeah. think yeah, I think that Schadenfreude is used even in English. Yeah. And it's the fact that you can shoot someone really you, really you, bad but you won't damage and them right no away. Uh, they still have a small chance of trying to avoid it because yeah. it's a whole turn before they actually get hit mm -hmm. yeah. so they might be able to with some special card get out of it so you get schadenfreude twice mm -hmm. he thinks that ha i got you now 
And then the other guy is going to be like, no, you didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> and so on. Yeah. Interrupts. And <laughs> or we can actually, maybe we should do a variant with all the bullets and just call it like World in Flames Campbell's version. <laughs> 6,000 plus minutes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a question. So, Andres, you played a lot of these games when you were younger. Yeah. Younger than you are now. Yes. <laughs> and I really didn't. I played more the kind of turn-based role-playing games on computer. And, uh, but I think both of us really enjoy the game. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you thought about people like me, like how do we get into the game? How did you approach that? Someone who wasn't drawn into the nostalgia of the game. I would say we didn't. Yeah, I mean, to be we, on, we, honest, uh, we can we, pretend if you think yeah. that's better, but no, we didn't. We didn't think of you. <laughs> no. I think I know how you might have subconsciously done it by yeah. actually just making a really good game. Yeah, yeah maybe. but yeah. What, what we thought about was that we, we think there are too many games out there like Ameritrash that has theme and not that good mechanics mm. and a lot of uh, randomizers, mm. usually dice, for example. And we wanted to do something with a lot of theme and mechanics. And then it became a little bit more um, advanced, the game. But that also, I think, will, will, will uh, make it interesting for you, Ryan, as well. So, so I mean, unconsciously, that probably what happened. I mean, we, we have a few pure Ameritrash games, but they, they usually don't... Um, Stick, uh, stick with us for long because you try them a few times and then it's like okay now we know the system and it's more up to a randomizer who's going to win yeah so so then you move on to something else so we wanted to to walk away from that but still do a lot of theme because we really really like theme yeah and ba basically we thought that if we do a game that we really like ourselves and we think that we stick to the genre uh, like uh, if someone wants to publish it, then it's probably good enough to be published. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, and we knew that it was never going to be a blockbuster, you know, because it's it's too uh, too specific. Sort of, it's not yeah. a mass market game. So, but that was never our goal to no. to make millions of dollars. What type of reaction have you gotten from people like me who weren't drawn in by the nostalgia? Ha has there been a large audience of people like that? Well, I, I think that uh, you get. The, the ones, you, you, unfortunately, not all of them will try it. But the ones who try it, it's going to be like, oh, there was more to this game than I thought. It was yeah. uh, more strategic. Because you see that when you look at the comments. But unfortunately, you get the other way around as well. Someone who thinks they're going to buy a shoot em up. And then it's too strategic for them. Yeah. The, they want a Meritrash. And then they get something in between a Meritrash and Euro games. Yeah. So, so we have seen both. But but uh, the ones that like strategic parts usually like the game. Yeah. So. And it was in the beginning. It was sort of. It felt like it was marketed like a fast-paced shoot 'em up game. Uh, I I can definitely say I think it was. Like I remember I yeah. played it for the first time at Essen just uh, after like the whole convention just uh, and uh, during like the after parties of Essen and whatnot. And I, my original concept and thought was that it, oh it was going to be a kind of a fairly light shoot 'em up kind of game. And when I played it I'm like wow it's so much more better. And I thought I was I was really not disappointed at all because I thought like, it was just if, if if it was what it was almost it was marketed as that would have been fine. But instead I was more surprised by there was actually a real game behind this behind this right. idea. Right. And I would say that I was there that 
that game too, and actually was was you, Ola, that uh, taught us the game, I believe, mm. at SM. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't remember. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. Um, but but I was I had another question related to this. During that experience, I I wasn't super into the game, and I think a lot. You also ate an entire bag of cookies. Yes, it's a, true. Had a diabetic crash. I did. I ate an entire bag of cookies, and so I was really uh, kind of. Wasted See, from we, that. we created this stressful environment. Maybe <laughs> eat a lot of cookies. Maybe. Um, I don't think I had eaten dinner. But, um, but then after I played it a second time, I liked it more and more and more. And, and I really fell in love with it when I started playing these uh, solo variants because it was almost like going through these puzzles and, and really getting into the mechanics of the game in a, in a very direct way. But um, I wondered if... What do you think of as designers this problem of there's maybe so many games out there that people might sit down to play this game and they're not immediately caught into it because there's a depth there that you can't, you can't find after just one play even, let alone less than one play. How do, you, how do you deal with that? How do you get people to sit down long enough to really invest in the game? I, I'd say that maybe we're thinking more of that now when we're designing yeah. Games. Uh, Campbell was just like we wanted. Exact. We had a role model like Tyrion, the sh shoot 'em up game. We wanted to do that, no matter what. Mm -hmm. We we weren't really thinking of how people would. Uh, no, I mean it. you learn <coughs> during the. Yeah, and uh, the problem the you described—that's a problem for me and, and others too. We have too many games, and we have probably 50 games between the two of us yeah. that we haven't played, and it's really easy to just grab a game play through it and you're like okay this will not can't take more than two hours because we have to play the next game you play it and they're like and if it's not like a perfect 10 you will never play it again sort of and that's yeah. really a pity so uh, what, what we have done kind of damage <coughs> control is when we see the comments online that someone is like oh i got the game now i'm gonna try it then we almost always write a small comment with like okay Remember that Calm the first down. first time it's <laughs> going to take you like three hours because there's a lot of new kind of unique mechanics in there. Don't play with more than four players the first time and look at the FAQ and the Erata because the FAQ is going to help you in a lot of questions. Yeah. So just ease them on their way. Yeah. Um, okay. And also I think that the solo scenarios also have made it possible for people to try the game before they, they play it with their game group. Mm. For those who don't know, there, each each <coughs> card that uh, makes up the board has a unique number, so it's possible to do uh, s uh, single play scenarios or fixed multiplayer setups. scenarios yeah. where you have a fixed setup of cards. So that was what Ryan talked about earlier as well. <laughs> so, so we're sitting here in the science fiction book handle in Stockholm, in the old town Stockholm, uh, which is your place of birth. Were you born in Stockholm? No. No. <laughs> there you go. That's a question, not a statement. <laughs> Where were you born? In Unschaldsvik. Yeah, it's, it's like north of Sweden. Yeah, it's like 50 North Swedish of Sweden. North, north of Stockholm. <laughs> it's like 50 <laughs> Swedish miles from In the north, north of Sweden. Yeah. So <laughs> 500 kilometers. Yeah. yeah, five, six yeah. Miles. Pretty far away. Yeah. yeah. Polar bears. But no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Riding polar bears to work. Yeah. 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 A lot of hockey there. So, anyways, yeah. I. Yeah. Um, my question was really. Surrounded by all these games here in the game section of the science fiction book handle, what are what are some of the games that you may have board games that may have inspired you throughout your years? The the big ones. 
Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I would say that the, we had like when we grew up each Christmas, we tried to play all the games we had and then the pile was became larger than you could reach the roof and then a little bit more and then we just ended and doing we that. we had a lot of help from yeah. friends. So our Christmas time was always like 10 to 20 kids in our house yeah. constantly playing games. <laughs> <laughs> but, but one of the big ones that we tried to play each Christmas is still uh, Dungeon Quest. Drakborgen. Yeah, they were the original Swedish one, Drakborgen. And I mean... There's no balance in the game, but it's... Awfully balanced, <laughs> yeah. super them thematic. Everybody fun. dies, but I mean, you laugh at yourself as much as you laugh at it's others. It's like Game of Thrones, everyone dies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I wouldn't say that that is inspiration for making games, but it's just something that we have had a lot of fun with. Yeah. So, so. Um, well, it's been well, it's been a lot of inspirations. It's yeah. diff difficult to say it's what kind of inspiration you draw from different games, but we played, since we're four brothers, sort of like eight years in between in total, uh, we played a lot of games for four players, like Mahjong, we played that a lot. We played Bridge uh, with four players, so a lot of card games and Mahjong and uh, everything you can play with four players, so it's good for four players. Um, and we also, I mean, a lot of games we played a lot of times, do you know Ave Cesar? Really, really simple racing game. Yeah, it's it's Super my only simple. 10 on Board yeah. Game Geek. Super simple and... Uh, out of print <laughs> and uh, we play well, it a lot yeah. and I think that's an inspiration in itself it's yeah very I, I simple think, but still yeah fun. for us it's we try to play as many games as possible and not only try to when we design not only try to play games that we think will be similar to the one that we are doing and then you just pick up small mechanics like the the sensor cards in the battle at Campbell's Cascade what a long time they were called Robo Rally cards because you use uh, initiative the same way yeah. and uh, I, I don't remember now but we have other small things that were named otherwise we, the game we're designing now we have something called Gandalf cards <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so it's like you you pick up small pieces here and there so I, I have to, I have to ask so Gandalf cards from like the Lord of the Rings co-op game yeah yeah okay exactly so, so it's so I know the mechanic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's a co-op game as well, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. We played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. A lot of role-playing games. Oh, that's, I mean, that's an inspiration, really. That must have influenced your love of theme as well. Yeah, that's also Definitely. how I learned English, I think, because I was the youngest. So I started to play when I was seven. Yeah. <laughs> we, we knew all the, the Dungeons and Dragons words. I remember in, yeah. my, like in my sixth grade, we were constructing crosswords. And I, I used words that my teacher didn't even know. She's <laughs> like, what is a chain mail? <laughs> yeah. Portcullis. Yeah. <laughs> the funny thing is I've learned all these words. I, I started playing D&D when I was nine. And I learned all these words, but I never knew how to pronounce them. And I still yeah. <laughs> mispronounce them the way that I thought I should pronounce them back when I was nine. Yeah. Sword, yeah. dragon, invisibility, <laughs> giant, loveful. Yeah, <laughs> it's well, kind of, it is kind of funny though when you're learning a different language and you're learning kind of strange vocabulary. Yeah. Yeah. I learned the word trollstav before I learned uh, logom. Trollstav is not logom. Exactly. Yeah. No. Trollstav is wand. Yeah. yeah. And I learned that before the Swedish concept of logom, which is well, <laughs> Google it. Yeah. Just, just right. Yeah. So if I might now, I'd like to get a little philosophical. Mm -hmm. 
I was a ph philosophy major in college. <laughs> One of the things I read in graduate school was uh, Roland Barthes' Death of the Author. And uh, he talks about this idea that an author, this was written in 1967, so it was a lot of uh, postmodernist deconstructionist theory at the time. Before that, we thought about the author as someone who, once we find out, when we read a novel, for instance, when we find out what the author intended with whatever the characters of the story, with the whole book, what it was supposed to mean, then we've, we've, we've figured out what the whole book means, because that's what the author intended. But his idea was that that's no longer true, and that when someone reads a book, they also impart meaning into that. And so that, that experience is part of developing meaning from a book. And I'd like to think of that as when you play a game, there's, there was a designer or designers who wanted the game to be played in a specific way because that's how you designed, yeah, that's how you created the rules, that's what rules are created for, to play the game in a specific way. It's a system that you're creating. But now, uh, especially with Board Game Geek, the, the last 10, 15 years, there's been an explosion of house rules, what they're called. But I think that's gone beyond just the idea of house ruling. And it's, it's about reshaping the game in, in the way that you want to play it. And especially now with 3D printing, where people will be able to really redesign the game if they want to and redesign the pieces, the components of it, and think about reshaping the rules. And I thought about this with your game because really your game is set up as a, almost an open system where someone could go in and re almost redesign within the within the kind of uh, core set of rules, the system, the, the kind of outline that the system provides. Someone could really go in there and just reshape that and design not just scenarios, but I think really reshape the way the game is played. Now, I, my first question is, was that intentional? And then how have you dealt with that as designers? What do you think about that? What is, what is this game now? Uh, I would start to say that... Uh, I think we always liked uh, like tile placement games. Uh, I think from all the way from Dungeon Quest uh, first edition to uh, like uh, I bought some old games newly, uh, Sorcerer's Cave and Mystic Woods. So also like tile placement games where you build the level. And to me and you also, I guess it's that's a, that's a it's a fun thing. You get new games all the time. But it's also a challenging thing to, to make a game that works with that. Uh, but I think we wanted uh, that. So yeah, yeah, I mean, we wanted it to be... The, <coughs> we are really keen on replayability. So yeah. we wanted to have a system that, that you could change. And I don't think that we, we like thought that, oh, you can use... If we design it this way, then you can... The, the players can redesign it. It's just that when you design a game that that you want high replayability in, this will probably be part of how it yeah. how it is. That will because come out. Yeah. It. Yeah. So 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 I don't think that we thought about that, but the way we think about games, I think that will be the same in the end. Yeah. Because we when we design games now, we sort of we uh, we come up with an idea and we start designing it, and then we sort of make it fixed. So it's easier to, to design. So we fix everything. 
uh, even like the whole every game round we say that this is what the players have and blah 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 and we try to keep it that way and then when we're starting to get that starts to work we start exchanging things into dynamic uh, versions instead um, I think tile placement will always be a big thing yeah, for yeah. Us. <laughs> it's a good randomizer and, and what that does is, is you don't you no longer have a fixed board that is always like the same map, for instance. And yeah, you, can, yeah. you can change that in any way you like. Yeah, and that's why we wanted we wanted it to be random, but we didn't want it to be completely random because since in Campbell's Cascade, you, your powers grow. So you need to have, the game needs to be progressively more uh, difficult. That's why we created these level packs that you can, you can stack them in any order, but they should be uh, more and more difficult. So you sort of randomize within the level packs, but they come after one each other. Or not randomize them. You can you can yeah. plot those yeah, out yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in the order that you want. Yeah. Yeah. But you also asked what we what we think about that if it happens. I mean, we're all for it. It would be great fun if other people than me and Ole would do the single player scenarios. Or there's a few guys that try doing a co-op version, yeah. and that's also fun. And I mean, I think also that inspired us to start to look at an, our own cooperative version. Yeah. and see what we can do and we have some other versions in our heads that we would like to do but who knows if yeah. they're going to be done That's or not definitely yeah. that canvas cascade is really expandable <laughs> i think everyone can agree to that you actually touched upon something i wanted to ask about um i, I was following the kind of the buzz about Campbell's cascade for like when it first was announced and when it was actually being released and coming out and what i kept reading in like the forums were people asking about like what about a co-op is this cooperative can i play this cooperative well what if we just did this cooperatively um uh, and then, and then people actually went as far as then to try to make their own several different variants as to how to make a co-op. How did you guys feel about that, or how did you guys take to that 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 process, or were you were, were you involved in that discussion, that dialogue as well, or were you looking at it going like, hmm, should we have done this otherwise? I'd say that uh, generally, uh, every time someone spends one minute on our game, mm -hmm. we feel grateful. <laughs> it's really fun that someone else spends time on our creation. So basically, that's really a good feeling. Uh, but especially when people do bigger things like that. So we have contacted them personally and had discussions with them. Uh, Rob, who did the, the co-op version, we had a lot of uh, emailing on BGG with him. So if we're going to do a co-op version, we'd probably bring him in to help cool. us with that. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a lot of people creating all sorts of stuff that's making yeah, us happy. Yeah, there's a few guys that actually created 3D printed stuff as well. Yeah. yeah. But Anders, you work in 3D printing. Yeah, how yeah, do, how do. do you think that's going to shape the, the world of board games? <laughs> One fun thing is that the reason I started with 3D printing to start with was because I wanted to design board games. <laughs> and now yeah. I work with it. So, well, yeah. I, I think that I think that it's m mostly going to be aesthetics. You're going to change parts like because uh, I mean, changing the mechanics with 3D printed parts, I think that's uh, too far off because I think it, uh, you need a lot of experience in order to make something new that is not just looking the other way or maybe some kind of helping aids for for uh, selecting cards or placing or something like that. But I don't think that it's going to change the games that much. It's just going to add to them. Yeah. That's what I think. And I mean, you've seen that with like, for example, X-Wing, where you can actually buy other um, other ships that are 3D printed that are from the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. 
I just want to add that um, uh, in the previous discussion that uh, about the um, dynamic, the dynamic thing of games that they, you can they, they start. Uh, we all, we've all heard of these legacy games where you change it and then the game becomes your own very unique copy. And we've been thinking of that before legacy games came out. Uh, in uh, 2003, I was in New Zealand. And I had started plotting down like a sort of a game that would not end when the game ends. I mean, w w if you're playing, like you, Ryan, played uh, RPG games on the computer, when you played like for 100 hours and you feel that the game is soon going to be finished, it's a, it's a sad feeling, sort of. It's like, okay, that's the end of it, and you're not going to see those characters again. Maybe you can bring, bring them into the sequel or something. So I wanted to create something that, uh, independently of what kind of game it was, you sort of brought something on from your character group or character or something to another game. It could be maybe just the name or maybe some small statistics you could carry on from like an RPG game. You would carry that on to like a rally game or something. So you just get the feeling that your character doesn't die, you know. Because uh, always it's a sad feeling. When you finish a book, it's always like, okay, that's the end of it. So what happens now? Uh, and I think with that, at least I am so still, still striving for trying to find that uh, uh, feeling that uh, it's like a linking between games. Uh, One of the things I was thinking about recently is these, this act of character creation is, for me, was probably the most exciting thing about playing role-playing games. And that's one of the things that's really missing in board games, I feel like. When I'm playing something like Runebound or Mage Knight, these, all these pre-created uh, characters that you're playing, and no matter how dynamic they are, how, how rich they are in their backstory and their history, it's, you still have a distance from them because you didn't create them. Yeah. Now, why couldn't I play Mage Knight and create a character? create a backstory and write all this stuff. How amazing would that be? I think that could fit pretty easily within Mage Knight uh, as a game. I mean, the game could still be exactly the same thing, but I just create the stories from it. I mean, I don't know of any games that really, board games that, that allow you to really do that. I would say there are d definitely board games that where you can do that, but I don't know it either. Um, I, I can think of a card game. There's what's called Pathfinder the Adventure card game. If you yeah, play, if but you play I mean, but I, they I'm, don't they don't go all the way. I think I, I, yeah. that was what I wanted when I played it, mm. and it's like it's too fixed, and all the adventures are still the same. It's like mm. eight piles of cards. It should be easy to do something more out of that one. Mm. That's yeah. what I feel, because mm. because it's still just okay. Do I want to go to this pile or that pile? Mm. Yeah. And that, that yeah. thing is exactly why we started creating our own board games. Because yeah. we, we thought, like, like, this game is good, but it could be even better, you know. We mm. started house ruling it, and after a while it's like, okay, we're house ruling it, like you said, as much as it's, it's, it, it becomes a new game. Mm. But did you ever play Tomb? I know that you're selling it. <laughs> it's, uh, no. it, it's like an RPG game where you, you, uh, you go to the inn and you recruit... Is it a role-playing game or a board game? Uh, board, a board game. game. Board right. game. And then you go to down to the tomb and you kill off stuff and get treasures. You go back and you can backstab each other. And they have like over a hundred different characters to choose from, sort of. Uh, so that sort of uh, gets the feeling that you create your own because you can get them in any flavor. Then it's not really maybe the best game, but... It <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's an interesting idea. It's an interesting yeah. idea. But uh, one thing that I would like to 
talk a little bit about is uh, well I, I mentioned it before the fact that we had the first version and and that one didn't get released and and uh, Ulle also said that okay let's just do a game that if the publishers like it then we know it's good and I think that this is a part that you cannot point up uh, point out too much the f uh, the fact that if th if we would have kickstarted this game, it would have been the first version, the one that was okay, yeah. but not more than that. And I think that's the problem with a lot of things being created at the moment, that if you don't get that outside experienced publisher that tells you, okay, you need to do this and that, you might not always want to hear it, yeah. but <laughs> most of the th ideas they have are good ideas. And you know also that if they say, okay, we want to release it, then you have, you have done something that, okay, this will probably appeal to the market and you learn a lot from that. Because yeah. from the beginning we thought, okay, do, do we want to publish the, the games we do ourselves or do we want to license them? And we, we realized that we're not, we're not good enough to realize when a game is good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, I mean, you let's need a lot of experience. Yeah. Especially when you're so close to it as a, as a designer. Yeah, absolutely. And this was our baby, you know, so when when they told us that this is not good enough we thought oh, maybe they don't really know what they're talking about yeah <laughs> or we knew that they were and we had the like the feeling that the game wasn't really great so we were sort of happy we're, we thought that oh shit this is going to take like 300 more hours but we were still happy that they did it and now we're really happy that they did it it was that i mean your game is published by z-man games mm -hmm. it was that originally z-man games as well you're talking about yeah yeah uh, yeah and there another, were others as well but yeah. but but z-man games been around from the start yeah we yeah. we pinpointed them we wanted them to be the publisher for our game because that would yeah. fit in there and at essen uh i remember i i interviewed both of you for the for swedish radio about swedish designers at essen last October and at the Z-Man Games booth they totally underestimated how popular your, your yeah. game would be and, and, and it actually sold out pretty pretty quickly yeah the first evening or the, the second morning yeah, yeah something like that they didn't bring that many copies no, no. and I think that is because yeah. they they brought a lot more copies to Gen Con where the game was released and since it looks like an Ameritrash game and they sold out there as well but they thought that, okay, it's an Ameritrash game, so if we bring this to Europe, they're not going to buy it. Yeah. And, well, it sold out, I think it was the first day or the morning exactly. after. Exactly, but then it, three or four months, has, three months has passed from Gen Con, and the rumor was out that this is really not a fast-paced game. So it's more of a mix between Ameritrash and Eurogame. So that sort of got the Eurogamers' interest up. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, it's always hard because it will be a lot more expensive if they need to bring games home. So it's like, what should we bring to Europe? Yeah. Maybe to wrap this, this up, what, what's next for you guys? Well, what's next is actually, if you asked that question one year ago, the answer would be the same. <laughs> one and a half years ago. Yeah. Because <laughs> we've been working on the same game now for two years. Can you tell us about it? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a co-op game. We call it Voodoo, even though the theme is really easily replaceable. Yeah, uh, it's more black, black magic black of some magic. sort at the moment. Oh but my god, I'm so excited for this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I don't know, do you want the story? I'm standing up a bit straighter now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this time we wanted to create a little bit faster game and a simpler game, co-op. Trying, like everybody else who does a co-op, to 
to remove the dominant player thing, which is really difficult. Mm. Uh, and it's we we've had we spent like 700 hours on it so far, <laughs> and we're all back to a small prototype that fits in a small Ziploc bag again. Yeah, and it's we, been a full size with board size. and cards and everything I mean, that we actually pitched in Essen almost two years ago. We and pitched it. And, and six different liked it. companies yeah. wanted it, but we didn't think it was good enough, so no one has gotten it yet. <laughs> and now it's just a small zip bag with, <laughs> with parts bit, in it. It's a little bit embarrassing that we pitched yeah. the game, and we think it's good. Um, but hearing from the comments and the questions at Essen, we started thinking like, maybe this is not like as good as it should be. So we tried to, we tried to vamp it around that game and we realized that within the limits of that game we couldn't do it so we just threw out the window and started off yeah. fresh with same theme and yeah. sort of the same mechanic and then it's evolved like 20 yeah. times it's and the, the theme is about the, the village shaman who's been caught up in things he shouldn't ta tamper with so like uh, the devil or something like that is trying to get out from the spirit world and, and possess he, him yeah and possess him and the shaman is really powerful but he his power is not is just enough to keep him at bay. So the the door is kind of open. So you get all these other spirits that's coming out, and you need to take care of these spirits, learn more about the voodoo power because the players are just like apprentices. Uh, so you get powerful enough in order to be able to help the shaman shut the door again, the gate. Yeah. So that's what the game is about. Is there any possibility to be? a team who's working to actually try to release the demons into the world? Good idea. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea. Not at the moment. No. Now you're starting to sound yeah, like yeah. Harry Grayson. Yeah. <laughs> you can never get chaotic evil in a game, damn it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, well, not we, at the actually, moment. There was who knows? one publisher who, who uh, turned us down before even coming to us and he said, like, voodoo is a religion. We're not touching that. Yeah. <laughs> so the theme... Might be might change, switched. yeah. But Cthulhu, generic. But this, yeah. the, the game, the version that is now, it's a lot about pattern placement. It's yeah, circling in the yeah, this like different spirits. Exactly, You're putting pattern around energy, sort of. Yeah, like making sigils or uh, yeah, you could say that. Okay. It's yeah. using different because apprentices has different power. One has power, one has channeling, one is like yeah, whatever. A, a bit like maybe like Forbidden Island or something like that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, not really. I would no. It's 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 more. I would say a little bit more like tantrics. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So basically, you just put up, start with one spirit, and he has sort of uh, power uh, limbs, so limbs, so yeah. and you need to shut them down, and you need to put as much power as possible to shut them down. So you need to create. Patterns, patterns around with, his, yeah. with the knowledge that you have sort of and you get more and more of those we we we, we actually created like we call them bones you know in voodoo it's like and you throw up bones into the fire and that's the feeling that we want so you you the player each have different bones so you just throw them out and then you try to puzzle them together to yeah encircle the stuff <laughs> are you going to bring that with you to Essen this year yes yes <laughs> like so much time. Yeah. <laughs> so much time. But uh, when you say that, do you think that you're not at, at the moment still not ready? No. Not no, we're not. Yeah. But we have to be. We said that this time we will actually be. That was be full fledged prototype. That is. 
finished. Yeah, I mean, we cannot, I mean, they asked for it almost two years ago. We cannot bring it again and not give it to them. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's where, uh, what we're also looking at, another thing that we're looking at is the co-op version of Campbell's. Yeah, and we have a few ideas that's not just changing it with the the components that are in the game at the moment but that needs a uh, few new components and rules yeah and with the solo variants i've played some you've played some of them as well are those going to be more like official releases as well maybe along with the co-op or as expansions or is this going to just exist in the kind of the players well, and the fans well what makes it official i mean we're getting yeah. them directly from them exactly i mean that's true that's a really good question because if if yeah if you release these it's just not you're not selling them yeah uh, i mean i think that we need to see what the interest is in the solo scenarios and hopefully maybe get some other people doing scenarios as well that we might may just take a look at but not design ourselves and yeah. see see what the interest is because before it goes any further and sure. it might be the same way with the cope maybe it will be some kind of print and play first and mm. see people think of it oh i want to play test co-op i want to play test co-op <laughs> co-op will be really cool we, yeah, we yeah. have we have some ideas that are yeah really cool. interesting ideas yeah. that will fit a lot of other yeah. uh, shoot up games into campbell's uh, but i mean our little bit of a side dream is that people would like to create single player scenarios themselves mm -hmm. and if there's a uh, like a tipping point of that you could have like a, a site where you can create the scenarios on like the web. Some, like some kind of like uh, wizard, program that kind of wizard sort of yeah. create the scenarios and you post them and then you can like vote on the best one, the most challenging one. That will probably like, like mission control for X Wing? I don't know. Have you used mission control? No. No. Okay. No. It's a thing that allows on Fantasy Flight that allows you to build your own like, oh, scenarios yeah. for X Wing. Yeah. yeah. And then publish yeah. them and people will vote and comment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly that would like be that. Fun. That would be fun. That would, would probably not happen, but it would be really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see great potential in that. At Maybe two, actually. Maybe that a fo cool. the forum, at least. In the yeah. Um, and there is, we have a blog on the <coughs> BGG site at the moment where we release one single play scenario maybe every third week or something like that. I used to do chess puzzles almost every day, or multiple ones every day. And it, it gave me this similar kind of feeling as far as trying to s go back, start over, and try to get it perfect, and mm. keep, keep playing the same scenario maybe three or four times, yeah. and get a better score on that. And so it's, like, it's like solving for mate in three, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Gentlemen, any final words? Fly low, hit hard. Yeah. Otherwise, <laughs> you play more games. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you Thanks. very much for joining us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, yes. you Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.